listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. It's great to have you here on the 4th of July weekend. Yes. You might, do, do, you, do you remember when we, we first moved to the Northwest? Like, do you remember... I don't know if you remember this because we didn't we didn't <laughs> rehearse know. this, but what stood out to us about the Northwest? Remind me. On the Fourth of July. The crazy. You guys are a bunch of pyromaniacs. <laughs> <The> crazy. <laughs> like on the East Coast, where we lived on the East Coast years ago, like people didn't have a whole lot of their own fireworks. You went and saw a great show, but the people over here on this coast are insane. Tens of thousands of dollars of fireworks in the back bed of their pickup truck. I know a guy who made his own acetylene bombs with a big tank of acetylene, would fill a trash bag full of acetylene and light it on fire. And the concussion from that would shake the windows in the neighborhood houses. Terrifying. <laughs> I, this is not an endorsement of what to do. It's just me recognizing what was being done. And almost on every cul-de-sac when we first moved here, the, the, the oh, everybody, there was fire. It took a week to clean up the debris <laughs> after you all were done blowing up fireworks. Yes. That's always, just always stood out to me. And I, to be honest with you, I love that. I know it's a little bit dangerous, uh, but it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, safety third, right? <laughs> safety third. Yeah, because if it's first, like, you might not ever do anything, not even leave your own house. Safety third, okay? And fireworks second and... God first. Okay. Uh, we do, we do have to, uh, we, or we don't have to, we get to hand out a couple of uh, gifts and Trish is going to help us out with the gifts. I think we're going to do this in an order that will kind of make some sense so that we can like get everybody here on the platform who has won something. Uh, many of you have dressed up. Some of you forgot to. I was talking with one of the uh, little boys in the church and he was looking at the prizes like, are these all for adults? I said, no, there's actually some kid prizes here. And he looked at like, and I said, but you would have had to dress up for the 4th of July. And he's like, oh, I forgot to do that. Then he pulled out a beaded necklace out of his pocket. He got a kid's church and he put it on his neck. And I'm like, hey, you, quali you qualify. There you go. Uh, so we're going to make these. We're going to invite you to come up, stand on the platform. Uh, we're going to invite the, the child, the baby, the young, younger child who has won, but also the family that has won the family of the 4th of July is the Wisdom family and Isabella. So Jordan, you guys are going to come up this way. Your, where's, where's your, where's your where's wife? Your other? We had a meltdown. Oh, we had a... <laughs> it's, we're trying. It was fireworks. <laughs> it's fireworks went off, right? Awesome. So we have a special gift that uh, Trisha's going to give you for you and your daughter and your wife. And, and if you saw the whole family, it's kind of the collage that makes yes. it the 4th of July. Yes, there was. Uh, we don't yeah. want... Yeah, keep stay up here because we'll, we'll get a picture here in just a second. Uh, we want to get we got a couple students that have really kind of gone out, and we're excited about that. Both Jocelyn and Evan, and I didn't select these, but it just I don't know if it's a it just works. So the give them a big outfit. hand as they come. Very Hold good. it, Evan. You got to put your hats on your ears. You got to wear the full costume if the you come up here. One pop, you'll have to hold it there. Because no. anybody who uh, you're you're pushing the envelope of creativity. I thought that was like super. It was Very great. Uh, also. And a couple of years ago, he wouldn't have been the man winner. He would have been the young man winner. But this year, our man win winner is Chance Dennerson. So he's uh, my he? chance. There he is. Very good. The man winner. I was a little disappointed that we didn't have the mullet this year. However, anybody <laughs> who has a patriotic sweatband 
uh, deserves to, to win an award. And last but not least, the female winner, uh, Kim Christensen, who's got the full-on oh, yeah. outfit. So come on, Kim. Come on up onto the platform so we can get a picture. And thank you all of you who have dressed up or done something a little bit patriotic. Do me a favor, plan on staying afterwards. And we're got some. Uh, we're gonna be doing some grilling and some stuff like that. That'll be exciting, and uh, some special festivities. And we'll get some more pictures. Okay. Yes. All right. Give them a big hand as they make their way back to their seat. Thank you guys. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, sweetheart. I like your outfit. I would have given you the award. Yeah. <laughs> Cute, festive, subtle. Draw, draw too much attention. Um, and yet look very nice. You still got it. Okay, so um, do me a favor, stand back up with me, okay, just as we get ready to pray over our, uh, our, the word today. It's a little bit unusual of a message, um, but I hope to stir you with a couple of thoughts at a couple of points that'll sound like I'm ranting. I don't apologize for that, because um, I think that there's some ranting, you know, with, uh, that's necessary. And there's some great parallels uh, to the celebration that we'll have this week and also to our discipleship. There's a lot of similarities. Uh, we're in a series entitled Dis uh, Disciple, and the question has been, uh, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. And in thinking about this week, this scripture really, really came out to me in a new way. It says, but you are a chosen race, talking about disciples. You are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Not just a nation, but a holy nation. The United States of America is a nation, but discipleship is a nation. And I want you to see that as we look into the scripture, you become a part of a new kingdom when you say yes to following Jesus. You have a new king, you have new governance, you have a brand new economy, new protections, a new rule of law, a new mission as, as a member of this nation. But very much, for, for not just in theory, but in practicality, you become a part of a nation. And as a member of that nation, you may have still American patriotism, but I'm telling you, if you understand what's been done for you to become a member of the kingdom of God, you will have discipleship patriotism. You will become a disciple patriot because this thing means something to you. A patriot is someone who vigorously loves, supports, and defends their country, their nation. And while that is true of our nationality as Americans, may it be even more true of our nationality as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, amen? So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much this morning, God, for your goodness. I, Lord, few things affect the outcomes of life and the trajectories that we experience like the nation that we're born in, like the family that we're born in, and like the kingdom that we live in as disciples. Radically different outcomes and experiences in life because of those things. And so, Lord, I pray that you would stir us with your word and stir us to love our nation and to fight for the things our nation has been built on, but even more so, Lord, stir us with the kingdom that we are a part of. Let us be greater patriots of the kingdom of God and still be patriots of the United States of America and the principles that it was founded on. Lord, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for the sacrifices made 
generations ago. Lord, this morning, just skimming through social meds, uh, social media this morning, the feed, I was brought back to my childhood home and a, a, a picture in a magazine of a company that was an honorable place to work back in Bristol, Connecticut, a place called New Departure. And they were celebrating Bristol Day, and that was in 1943, and it showed a picture of a man who three years later would lose his life in war. Someone I've never met, and yet going way back, sacrifices made by patriots, fighting for the better good. And Lord, we always, we wanna recognize the sacrifices of people and be sacrificial ourselves for the right things, because there are some things that are worth dying for so that we can live for them even more so. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen, amen. and amen. Give the Lord a big hand as you're, as you're seated. Maybe high five the person next to you. And I, I, I wanna just lean into this idea a little bit more as uh, people who experience Jesus. We've talked about the crowds that experienced Jesus back in biblical times. And it's much like today, even though Jesus is not physically walking around on earth, the Holy Spirit is functioning and the same invitation that Jesus gave in person, hey, come and follow me to not only the 12 disciples, but the extended group of disciples and all the people that would attend his gatherings and in the crowd, his message to them was come and follow me. The Holy Spirit today still utters that invitation because that is still the heart of God. He wants to invite you out of what you're experiencing and in the process of believing to the strong place of stepping over the line and saying yes to following him, not just liking him and not as unbelievers as some of us were previously and not as some of us were previously as never Jesusers, but as we're drawn closer to Jesus that we step across the line of liking him and what he can do to following him. And I think that the, the following him, the, the draw I'm hoping for you will not be the follow him for where it takes you, although that is, is incredible. That will lead to your best life, following him. Now, when I say best, I don't mean easiest. It's easy just to stay at home in bed. That's easy, okay? But that's not best. And so in following Jesus, he will take you to the best places in life. But the thing I hope that you're really drawn to, which will require something of you, is to following the him part. The fact that in stepping across this line, it's about him, primarily. And it re it's gonna require you, if you haven't already done this, to step across that line, is to trust him. I don't know about you, but my grandfather, as a four-year-old, had a pool, above-ground pool, and he was coaxing me into the pool, and I didn't want to just jump. Honestly, as a small child, I didn't know if I could trust that he would catch me because I could not swim. And so we make assessments like that in life. Come and follow me. We hear that from companies, from friends, from individuals. I mean, marriage is a, a mutual, come and follow me, and you're having to decide, can I trust this person? And certainly when you hear the invitation to follow Jesus with your whole life, the real question is not as much where are we going, but it is can I, can I trust you? It takes something that is a supernatural substance called faith. Faith is believing who he said he is in a way that causes action. It's not just believing, because the people who like Jesus, they believe in him. They like him. 
but they're not ready to hang all of the six foot wide, 12 foot high mirror on the tiny nail that will support it of their life. They don't, they like the idea of all of that, but trusting him becomes somewhat challenging for people. We watch in the, in the New Testament as Nicodemus who uh, met Jesus early in Jesus's ministry and he was a high profile religious leader and was really intrigued by Jesus, really liked Jesus, came to see Jesus at nighttime because he liked what he was doing, which was putting his status and his job and his standing within the community at risk because everything about Jesus was anti the establishment of religion at that time. And yet he really liked Jesus. But you watch through scripture as he struggles to step across this line because it required him to leave what he knew and also liked to commit it all to Jesus. But when he came to that spot, you see after Jesus is crucified, Nicodemus was very involved at the most critical time of Jesus' ministry, his sacrifice to come out and say boldly, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And it's one of those beautiful stories. The process of becoming a disciple for some people is immediate. I've watched some people walk into this room, know nothing about God, hear it and be like, oh yeah, I'm in. And then I've watched people spend 20 years migrating, trying to work it out, trying to think it through. How is this going to affect me? And we are certainly patient with the process, but I would recommend now better than later. Don't waste 20 years trying to work it out. Look into the scripture. Look into the eyes of Jesus. That's the amazing thing to me. The fact that he is real, that he is who he said he is, he will do, he wants me, uh, just all of it put together, yes, count me in. I want to be with you, and if I can trust you, I can trust where you're going to take me. It's going to work out. It might not be, even when, it, even when following you requires me to take a leap of faith, it gets exciting because I know that you're not gonna leave me and I know you're trustworthy. There's been a number of times in my life in following Jesus, in being a disciple where I know that he wants me to go from here where I'm at, which is pretty good, to way over there. A couple of really key moments in my life and I, I'm with him and I can hear him saying, Steve, follow me over there. And I'm like, but there is, there's no bridge. There's, I, I've got to leave this spot of safety and I've got to launch, and that's a really good thing, and I really desire that. But man, once I get airborne, I am gonna have to trust you to carry me over there. And that's, that's the thing that carries you over there is that substance called faith. It's the same faith to step across the line and follow Jesus, but then once you know he, he's trustworthy, these moments in life where you launch after something that should be but is not, or that is not but should be, and, you, and you, you're trying to build up speed. I don't think I could jump that far, but Lord, you're gonna carry me. And to fly through the air, be terrified. Faith does not mean you're not scared. You understand that? Well, I'm afraid. I guess I lack faith. No, 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 no. There's never been a moment when I've been operating in faith that I wasn't terrified. My confidence is in him. I know this is gonna work out, but man, my feet are not on the ground, and this is scary right? It's not an ungodly fear, not a fear of, uh, that's, that's, you know, fear being the enemy of God. It, it's, a, it's a righteous understanding that if, if God doesn't, then I'm in trouble. You, you hear what I'm saying? But a confidence that God will. But he hasn't yet. 
You know, the, the water did not turn into firm foundation for Peter at any point prior to when he fully launched off of the boat and into the water. Most of us would like to see that water set up like concrete before we jump out of the boat. Faith is, he invited me to do this thing, and I'm launching out of the boat because I trust him, and this moment my feet touch that water, then it will become like concrete. That's faith. That's how this thing works. If you have a promise from God, and you're waiting for it to show up at your house, I want to challenge you, that's not faith. That, that's having a belief that that's what God wants, but faith unlocks that thing. You need to get your vehicle moving forward and launch out to see that thing come to pass. Well, that's just, that's not, not a very good plan. Right, it's called faith. And because it's a different kingdom, the plans work a completely different way. And this has nothing to do with my, well, it does have something to do with my message, but it's not in my notes. Um, <laughs> If I get to all of it, great, okay? If not, next, there's next 4th of July. Um, when you do step into, <laughs> yeah, part two, like, you have to, like, think back and to 2023 and 2024. Anyways, I'll get through it. Um, when you step across the line and say yes to following Jesus, and that substance of faith is on you for the beginning of that journey, the Bible says that you are stepping out of the kingdom of this world and into a brand new kingdom, although it's a kingdom without borders and a kingdom you cannot see with your eyes. I mean, when you arrive, say, from Canada to the United States of America, you can't miss it, okay? If you're, well, if you come on a main road anyways. I'm like going a rant right there. Um, but when you're driving down the road, there, there's signs letting you know, and then there's a definitive line. And when you step across into the United States, everything changes even though it's just a line. And you might think, that's weird, really, is it that different back and forth? It is that different. There are some things allowed on this side of the line that aren't allowed on that side of the line. There are some penalties, some benefits, all sorts of things. The line matters. What kingdom you are in might seem like a thin line. What's really the difference? I can assure you there is a radical difference to stepping in the kingdom of God and what you will experience and who is your king. And so, the invitation to come over, we see it out of the book of John. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, but it is in this world, okay? Stepping over to become a disciple. John 17, 16, Jesus referring to the disciples, he says this, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. What he means is they are now no longer under that rule and reign of that leader. They are now under the rule and reign of me and my Father, and the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.19 says to disciples, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You become not just citizens of this new nation, the kingdom of God, but you are elevated to a status of sons and daughters. I mean, this kingdom doesn't have distant cousins and visitors. It has sons and daughters when you step into this kingdom. Um, Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. Now, this is, this is Paul, who is a citizen of Rome on the earth, but he's making the declaration of his higher level of citizenship at this point, not in a future date, but now our citizenship is in heaven, and for it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says of disciples, therefore, 
We as disciples, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And I could spend a whole service talking about uh, the idea of being an ambassador to the world from the kingdom of heaven. Now, this week, because of the week it is, I was reading through the Declaration of Independence. And I know that many of you have read it. Hopefully all of you have. I think it's a good thing to revisit. I know it feels like the document that you signed when you became a member of the gym really wasn't that important and you didn't read it. But there is a day coming when what you signed will matter. When you bought your house, when you bought your car, it was bling and shiny, and then there are payments that need to be made on time and certain benefits and certain penalties. And when you signed up for that, I think it's important for you to know. I would definitely say, as a nation that has founding documents that we get to stand behind as a citizenry, it's important for you to understand what is the United States of America. Because the United States of America is not what Hollywood portrays, and it might include the movies of us growing up and Rocky and and Superman and all those types of things, but the actual document is, is so critical for you to recognize because that document establishes what are the confines for being a citizen of the United States of America. When I read through it, I was reminded that this is actually the birth document of our nation, and it was a clear declaration of the intention of the men and the invitation for people to throw off the oppressive rule of the King of England and to join together to jointly pursue their God-given rights. Their God-given rights. That was, that was the foundation. We are forming a new nation because we believe that inherently God has rights for all people born and that we are going to band together to pursue after those things. In fact, they went on to say that the purpose for any government should be to help people to pursue after their God-given rights. Amazing understanding of these men. And looking at that, It was the invitation, again, to throw off the oppressive rule of the King of England and to join together and jointly pursue God-given rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They tried to boil up what the Bible described and what what their their religious background showed them to be God-given rights. And they said it this way, there's liberty, well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit. Anybody find that to be a little fleeting? Happiness, that's why it's called the pursuit, right? Um, Because the King of England's policies at that time were hindering people from pursuing these things, their new venture required those who would join them to become patriotic about this new nation. Again, a patriot is someone who vigorously loves and honors and defends and would give their life for their nation, And so in this new pursuit, they recognize we don't just need passengers, we need people who are patriotic about this. And as I read the document, I couldn't help but notice the similarities shared by those who left the reign of England to become citizens of the United States of America and those who respond to the invitation to follow Jesus. Not the same thing, but there are some similarities I think that are worth noticing. These who leave their their current status to follow Jesus, they leave the rule and reign of the kingdom of this world to become citizens and patriot disciples 
of the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? And so I just want to point out a couple of the similarities, and I'll actually use scripture and the Declaration of Independence, and hear me for a minute. There's scripture, and then there's the Declaration of Independence. You got it? I am not putting these two on the same level. But there is something amazing that's happened in the formation of our nation that I do think allows us on this day to look at the similarities between the two. It's Jesus first, nation somewhere else, right? There was, uh, I won't even get into that. Let me, <laughs> let me just, <laughs> I don't get too controversial right off the bat, okay. Um, uh, let me skip over this, okay? I think I already read that for you. Okay, uh, first point I want to make, disciple patriots, and a disciple patriot is a disciple who is patriotic about the kingdom of heaven, right? You, you're tracking with that when I say that. And while you can still be patriotic about your nation, a disciple patriot is somebody who's patriotic about the kingdom of God. Like they love vigorously, they defend, they fight for, they're excited about the kingdom of heaven. Disciple patriots, all disciples, have recognized and rejected their former tyrannical ruler, do you understand that when we say yes to following Jesus, we are washing our hands of the one who, whether we realized it or not, had rightful rule and reign over our lives prior to that. And for people who live in the kingdom of this world, hidden behind the scene while they see nations and they see movements and ideologies, the Bible says there is a God, small g, God of this world. It talks about the prince of the power, the ruler of the air, the, the, the work that, that was behind the scenes in our unrighteousness, and we discover that there is a ruler at work that is very tyrannical, whether we recognize it or not. In the Declaration of Independence, the wording says this, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them together as a nation. Talking about the kingdom, or talking about the rule of England over the colonies. It goes on to make a statement a little bit farther that I think is fascinating, that I think applies to human nature in general. It says, the history of the present king of Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. In the founding document, they go on to say, all, listen to this, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. What that means is you will continue where you are at as long as you are able to suffer it at some level. And while injustices are heaped upon a people a little bit more weight over time, human nature shows us that people will allow these injustices to be piled upon themselves, trying to stand up underneath the weight, but because they were able to do it yesterday, a little more weight today might be possible, and so they continue to stand right where they are. That was in the founding documents. And I got to thinking about 
The way the enemy works in all of our lives is we're born into this world as children, and many of you, many of us, uh, we've been born, all of us, have been born in imperfect situations, and into our world, and into our lives, the enemy, the ruler of this world, begins to work using people, circumstances, and situations, and pile things on our life that are foreign to us, but they become attached to us. It's an experience with a family member. It's somebody taking something for us. There's uh, some abuses that we experience. There's some things that we get involved that we shouldn't have gotten involved with, and they begin to press down on us, but it doesn't seem like much more weight than yesterday. And next thing you know, we find ourselves in our early 20s walking around with just weight that is almost buckling our lives, but this is our normal. It's fascinating to talk to so many of you who have grown up in so many difficulties, so many hardships, so many circumstances that just... Are, are, are foreign to me, but you've experienced, and, and yet you found yourself in a place in life, and all of us hopefully find ourselves in a place in a life where we are carrying this weight of what's been done to us and what we've done, and we can hear the invitation of Jesus to throw this stuff off and step into freedom. And what the founding documents were trying to portray was this, this understanding that human nature, though, would keep the average person just allowing another little piece of weight to be added on day in, day out, until you finally buckle. And I would ask you, I would, I would, I would uh, why don't you guys hand me one of the microphones? I hear this thing bouncing around, making all, is it making some, do you guys hear all that? Is that better? Yes, okay, sorry about that. I was thinking it was just me, and then I'm like, nah, I think everybody can hear that. Um, I want to ask this of you. At what point is enough going to be enough? At what point is God going to capture your heart to say, come on, step across the line. I've got so much more for you than that. The weight of unforgiveness, the weight of your own sin, the weight of all the debris from all other people's debris. That, how many of you know people, they just want to heap their debris. They want you to help carry their trash. They, they call it venting, but really they want you to help carry that mess. And so you end up helping carry them and you got to carry your own because they don't want to help carry your own. And so you're trying to navigate through life. Part of the, the invitation to follow Jesus, he says this, cast all of your cares on me because I care for you. And it's this idea that we throw off this weight and allow him to carry it. And now we walk in freedom and begin to learn the process to do that. Now, in a spiritual level, it's, uh, it's a decision before the founding fathers, it was a serious decision. It was revolution. When you read down through this document, our, our team was talking this morning in our huddle time about John Hancock signing the declaration. And when he did, he wrote his name real big. And that's why we have today, people will say, hey, give me your John Hancock. But what it really means, John Hancock wrote his name big because he wanted to be very clear, I am revolting against tyranny. He didn't want it to be the type of thing that he steps across this line secretly and maybe nobody will notice and I'll just blend in. He said, my hand's up here, it's large, and I want you to know I'm stepping across the line and that makes me a revolutionary against this, but it makes me all in and patriotic for this. And so I would say that there's some beautiful uh, cross examples of stepping into the kingdom of God the exact same way. To step in and write your John Hancock big and say, yes, Jesus, 
I will follow you. Don't let your conversion just be simply a raise your hand real quiet and mutter your words and, and start now going to places and just having everybody assume that you follow Jesus. Declare to people, I follow Jesus. Make your stance known. So there's no question because there is a power that flows out of that decision that will fund your future unlike trying to just blend in. And so I love how some of our, our founding fathers did that. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, You were dread, dead in your trespasses and sins, and once you once walked, following the course of this world. Talking about our old citizenship. It says, following the course of this world, following, check this out, the prince of the power of the air. God owns it. You understand that Satan is managing it at this point. If there's anything that you, you, you want to know, why does bad stuff happen, it's because the manager is bad. Well, but God didn't, okay, but he's not managing it at this point. You and I are. We've been given this opportunity to take back what was taken, but the reason why bad things happen because the prince of the power of the air is reigning supreme unless he comes up against the kingdom of God. That's why I'm in the kingdom of God. As I became a citizen of this king, all of the warfare that works in these citizens' lives have to stop when it shows up here at my door. It doesn't have the same power, doesn't have the same authority. If I stand in my authority as a citizen, your embargo does not impact my life. If the economy goes down in the kingdom of this world, in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven's economy can still surge, amen? While there are things that happen in this world, sickness and disease, when I step into this world, although it will come and try to bite at me, I can fight back through the kingdom of the, the, the rules of the kingdom of heaven to push back that disease, amen? And so there are very practical, very real things. There is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit it says that the, uh, the scripture's behind me. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Who are the sons of disobedience? The people who are still stuck living in just the world. It's a spirit. It's more than an ideology. There is a spirit. You have to recognize that. That if you look back in ancient times, the levels of all types of idolatry and worship, it seems so foreign to you because you and I, we think of Gilligan's Island and when some of the people, the, the cannibals came to the island on the other side, they had a little tiki god and Gilligan would discover it and this tiki god would put him in a trance and then the, the cannibals would come and dance around the tiki god and we're like, well, there's nobody with grass skirts running around downtown around a little tiki god. So I guess this foreign worships no longer exist. They exist. Thousands of years ago, they used to roll newborn children down the arms of gods into a belly that was a fiery furnace. Why? So that their lives would turn out better. We don't do the same thing today the same way, but we do do the same thing. Children are being sacrificed every day for the, for the argument of a better life. It's a different form, but it's the same religion, right? You have to understand that. The spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, it's not just a thought process. There is a spirit behind it, just like there's a spirit behind this. I'm not doing everything by thought or understanding. 
Not by might, not by power, but I'm being led by the Spirit. It lines up with Scripture, but I'm being led by the Spirit. And people without realizing it, living in the kingdom of this world, they are being led by spirits. No, they're not things on the wall coming out of the closet, but they are nudges and budges and thoughts and mindsets that form in mobs that are deeply spiritual. You've got to be able to see that. See beyond the natural. Goes on to say that this also among whom we also once lived, this was our plight. I'm telling you, if I had not stepped across this line, I don't know where I would be, but it would not be here. And I would not be associated with any of the people in my life. I don't believe that I'd probably be alive. I'm sure the list of my infractions would be very long, and I would have been right the whole time. Anybody? And yet, I've been invited into something better. And I stand to look at my life and see how being a part of this kingdom has radically, radically, radically just blessed my life, improved my life, helped my life, and I've been able to help others as a part of it. I didn't want to help anybody prior to this. I only wanted to be helped. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a song that we sing to the Lord back in the days, of course, is, it's all about you. Mm. That might be true here, it's all about you, but back, back then... It's all about you, Steve Parrish. What's best for me, what feels good for me, what gives me gain. You know why stealing was right if I did it? Because it improved my position. It's wrong if you stole from me. But it's okay on certain situations. Well, it's, you got, you, you've got a whole lot extra and you're greedy, so it's okay for me to steal it. Why? Because it's all about you, Steve Parrish. Right? Or it's all about you, insert your name. Okay, let me jump to slide number two so I can, I've got two minutes. Yes. Okay. Uh, disciple patriots are resolved to make sacrifices required in order to be aligned for best outcomes. Stepping across this line, there are some sacrifices to be made. I'm not going to lie to you. What, what's a sacrifice? You have to surrender Everything. 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 I don't know how many tapes that's going to sell today or how many people that's going to inspire, but the offer is surrender everything and I'll fill your life back up with good things because half the stuff that you're surrendering are killing you. Destroying your life, destroying other people. Have poor outcomes, but if you'll step across this line and follow me, in losing that, you will gain everything. That was a tough decision on the part of founding fathers as they wrote out the declaration. In fact, as they finish up this, this, this declaration and this invitation for people to come and join them, this is what they say. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Notice that they put very first, we pledge each to each other our lives. Jesus said that same thing to you and I. I pledge my life. I will sacrifice my life for you. And then he was resurrected. And in stepping across the line, we laid down our lives to gain the life he has for us. But there certainly will be sacrifices. 
Things that pleasures, desires, possessions at times where we walk away from. But here's the interesting thing about a sacrifice. A sacrifice is an intentionally planned loss in order to reposition oneself for the opportunity to experience a greater gain. It's very calculated. It's saying, I will take this thing I have and I will remove it from my control based on a promise for something better. And I will say yes. It's a sacrifice. It burns. In fact, if it doesn't burn, it's not a sacrifice. Let's do a 12-week series on sacrifice. Plan your vacation during that point in time, probably. (laughs) Sacrifice, not anything. You're not hearing any politicians talk about it. Not these days. Not hearing anybody at work talking about it, not hearing any, not too many people talk about sacrifice. It's a word that we no longer want to use, and yet it is a required word to actually moving from what is to something better. I don't want to have kids. I'm just going to wreck my life. That sacrifice will be, it'll fill your life with some amazing things. Uh, I'm afraid if I leave this job that I, that I might not find anything better, but you, but this job's dead end. You know God's got something better for you than just this. The sacrifice and trusting God. How are, we, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Um, we were talking this morning again in, in our huddle, and Joe brought up the fact that most of the men who initially started off during this, this war uh, had a two-year um, commitment, and they were being paid. And when the end of the two years was done and the war was not over, one of the things that George Washington did was to offer any man who had stayed, they had to be voluntary, but he would, out of his personal wealth, pay their salary double what they were being paid at that point in time. That is a man who believed in the cause. That is a man who believed in his nation. That is a patriot. And that is for a earthly citizenship. What is your sacrifice level for the better kingdom, the kingdom of heaven? But I really need this. I know the Lord wants this, but I I really need it. Uh, I really know I shouldn't go there, but I really like it. There are sacrifices to be made in being a disciple, but in those sacrifices, a better thing is available. Okay, great scriptures behind me. Jesus just makes an incredible promise in Luke chapter 18. He says, listen, ain't none of you going to step across this line and make sacrifices where in your lifetime, in your lifetime, you won't experience an abundant amount of blessings. But forget about that. More importantly, eternal life. But he still does say that the sacrifices you make to be a disciple, I'll pour in immeasurable amounts of blessing that make up for that. I've experienced that in my lifetime, and that's the faithfulness of God. Final thing, let's stand with me, and the we'll, uh, worship team's going to come. Um, disciple patriots, they live lives empowered to pursue the promises of God, and that's where the declaration really starts off with. It's pretty fascinating. Again, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. In other words, rights that came from God, not, not from a government. The government doesn't exist our Bill of Rights is, is not something the government has been nice and said, okay, you guys get to do this stuff. In the founding of our nation, 
It was we have rights from God and you as a government are to protect our ability to pursue these rights. Uh, you don't hear that much today. I love, I love constitutional um, politicians. I love constitutional judges because it keeps us on the same track that we've always been. There's some that would want to completely throw away the declaration. They need to go find a different piece of ground and go do that someplace else, not here. The Declaration of Independence means something. The Constitution means something. Now I'll say this, it's not perfect, but it's a pretty incredible document. Pretty amazing. These truths to be self-evident that all men created equal, they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable. In other words, you can't take them away. You could try, but you can't take them away. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. In the kingdom of God, once you step over here, you recognize that heaven has rights, desires for you and I. And these are things you'll never experience as a never Jesus person. You'll never experience them as an unbeliever. You won't even fully experience them as someone who likes Jesus. But when you step across this line, there are rights that have been decreed in the kingdom of God that you could take advantage of in your life. Some of them are general that apply to all of us. But I challenge you, there's probably some things that you're not taking advantage of because you haven't learned about them yet, or you're just afraid to go and take what is rightfully yours. We're gonna discover along this journey individually as you follow Jesus, there are going to be some moments where the Spirit of God whispers promises specific for you. And when you hear those things, those are just as large for you as the general uh, promises of God. And for us as disciples, when those are whispered out and they capture our heart, they become pursuits that turn us into patriots for the thing that God has said. And we become adamant, fighting for the things that God has for us. To be healthy, to be whole, to be favored, to be strong, to raise up godly offspring, to have an impact on the world. We, these are promises from God. Then there's some specific things God has spoken to you individually. You're like, that you should be patriotic about. Vigorously love them, vigorously fight for them, vigorously defend them. The same as our original patriot fathers. I love this about uh, Abram, it says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew old in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what was promised. God is able to do what he promised you. He's able to do it. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. He is empower, empowering you to live your life as you pursue the promises of God, and you're gonna pursue and overtake them as you're patriotic about it. They're not just coming to you. The nation didn't just come to our forefathers that we enjoy today, it was fought for. Fought for patriotically. Fight for what God has for you and yours, amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for your goodness in our lives. We thank you, God, for your generosity. We thank you for this, uh, this week that we celebrate. Uh, for, for some, this is only a, a week of some fireworks going off and 
eating some food, but for others who can look back into history and to recognize the, the profound nature of the place where which we live and the people who were involved in setting it up, imperfect though they were, there's an epic, epic touch on what was established. God, I believe that's by your hand because you were invited to lead them to do that. So Father, we thank you for this nation. We pray over this nation right now. Father, we're in a time where it seems like dark is called light and light is called dark and truth is championed as being disinformation and things that are outright lies are said so boldly, it's shocking. Yet we're not surprised but that because that's been the course of the world in general for thousands of years. It's just, it's not been in our zip code so strong in our lifetime. Father, you, your son said these amazing words. In this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> we have trouble right now, but you went on, he went on to say, but I have overcome the world. And so Lord, we look at our nation. We speak the favor of God over it. Lord, we invite you to once again reign supreme, touch the hearts of men and women as we move forward in the future. People who will step into politics, who have a heart after you based on your principles. We speak over the people who are in politics for all the wrong reasons. It's not a civic duty that they perform to serve others, but it's a way of lining their pockets. Father, we pray that you will oust those people out of their positions and allow the truth to move in. Give godly people a heart after service to the community or to this nation. Allow the truth to rise up. Let there continue to be a shaking in our media. Allow there to continue to be a shaking in the powers that be. Let there be an unveiling of deception that has been in the past and let there be people of influence rise to the occasion to fight for serving you, serving your people and serving truth. Lord, there are, you even have people who while they have not bowed yet to you, they have bowed to many of your principles, such as righteousness and truth and liberty. And Father, we pray you'll continue to use them. Lord, we say thank you for the place where we live, imperfect as it be, but we are a part of the perfecting process. And so we take that on, we commit to prayer, we commit to serving in the community, we commit to speaking to truth when truth needs to be spoken in love so that we represent our kingdom well. And we're so grateful. More importantly, Father, thank you for inviting us into the kingdom. We step in boldly. We say yes in becoming citizens. And every day we enjoy that citizenship. For the one who's here maybe today, Lord, who has yet to say yes and yet to become a citizen, we invite them in even this morning. Come on in. Say yes to Jesus and enjoy all of the good things God has to offer. Lord, in both celebrations, the celebration of the kingdom of heaven and the celebration of the nation we live, we pray that you'll be honored. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 